Material on this program is intended for general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. None of the information contained in this broadcast is intended by the host to be a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. Endorsed Local Provider is an endorsement of customer service only and does not reflect quality of investment decisions and is not connected to investment returns. Further information is available by contacting Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor, security sold through Independent Financial Group, LLC, member of FINRA and SIP. Welcome to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house and giving out prescriptions for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money. We give common sense solutions to your complex problems. I'm Steve Marbert, a certified financial planner and an investment advisor with over 20 years experience finding financial planning and investment advice. And I'm John Travis. I'm a Dave Ramsey local provider. I also have an MBA in finance and have been helping corporations and individuals for over 20 years. And I'm Gordon Leppard, financial advisor with Richard Young Associates. Good to be here this weekend, guys. Yeah, it is. Good yeah, day. Yeah, it is. Great day. Great <clears throat> weather out there. Starting to feel a little more like um, football season, you know. Yeah, I mean, getting into the getting into that time period. So yeah. it'll be it'll be fun, you know. We'll our, be our, we'll be cutting Carolina, you know, jokes here pretty soon. Our financial so. <laughs> show will turn into a sports talk show, right? Exactly, exactly. So weekly uh, football updates. There you go. So that's great. We're excited to have you listen to us today on our weekly radio show. You can pick us up every Saturday, like today, from nine to ten a.m. You can also so go to our website, moneymd.net. We have a, a link, top right-hand corner. You can uh, listen to us. You can stream the show live uh, on Saturday morning. Obviously, on the dial, it's 1230 a.m. And uh, we also have podcasts. That's been a very popular feature. We have a little link over on the right-hand side on our uh, website. So go check that out. Yeah, absolutely. Listen to us anytime, you know, on our podcast. Also, we'd love to have your questions. So email us your questions. You can email us directly at info at moneymd.net or just link to us on the website. Well, guys, I think we have an awesome show lined up here today. Um, some really important topics, you know. I mean, we're in kind of one of these weird markets here where, you know, we're we're kind of in a correction, but not exactly. And, um, you know, a lot of a lot of. A lot of stupid investment decisions out there. So that's one of the things we're going to talk about out here is, you know, don't your top... Don't be stupid, right? Don't be stupid. Yeah, I mean, your top 10 excuses for making bad investment decisions. And, you know, after a year and a half of poor markets, I mean, people are starting to get impatient and mm. make some silly decisions. Short memory. They don't remember 2012 and 2013, what what good years those are. So um, exactly. going to review that a little bit. And then we're going to go to a, a Dave Ramsey article talking about the debt snowball. Dave gets a lot of credit uh, out in the marketplace about being an expert on reducing debt. And um, so these are the top five questions that the Ramsey organization gets. And we're going to go through those and kind of give you some insight on why he's telling people to do what he's doing. Then we're going to move over to the housing market and see how things are going there. Is this the year? Is this the time to sell your home? Well, for some, maybe, but for others, maybe not. And maybe a few things to consider um, if you are looking at selling your home this year. So yeah. that, that should be a fun article as well. That should be interesting. Yeah, I mean, housing really has picked up quite a bit, so that's a great topic, very timely. All right, but we're going to start off here, though, with the financial fact of the week. Yeah, guys, we've talked about the um, uh, one of the, the partners that we have out in the marketplace, uh, Strategic Partners, DFA, Dimensional Fund Advisors. They have some really great information, some charts and so forth, and they sent some, some data out to us recently about um, uh, value stocks versus growth stocks and how value has outperformed uh, over 80-plus years uh, by about 5%. 
uh, annually, which is a phenomenal amount. I mean, it's and that's, that's huge. It's massive. That is. Let me let me define what value stocks are. They're stocks that are low priced um, relative to where they've been. So there's something called a price to book ratio. It means that their price is low based on their book value. And so they're kind of out of favor. Um, British Petroleum would have been an example a couple years ago when they had the oil spill. But as a group, value stocks have, have trounced growth stocks. Now, that does not mean every year. That, that's for sure, because, you know, for the past year and a half, John, that hadn't happened. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> but, but, but over you know, time, it's... Over time, it gives you a lot better chance of of getting or outperforming, you know, the, the broad market that's in general. Right. And so... Uh, yeah, you want to weight your portfolio toward value, and you know it's like anything; it doesn't work every single year, but over time, it it does increase your return significantly, rather than chasing the latest hot stock or yeah. hot fund. And obviously, past performance doesn't guarantee future results. But this is just looking back at history a little bit and seeing what's happened historically, and um, you know, trying to make some um, you know some wise decisions going forward. So we're not trying to predict the stock market here by any means but the data what we see is the data shows that value has done better than than growth and that's yeah. the difference in a trend and a fad well that's right you that's know right. the fads are just those uh, kind of quick blips on the radar yeah like yeah. a dot-com error exactly that, that came and went pretty quick yeah so this is a fundamental fact over long periods of time very rigorous academic research has proven that this is true over time, but it doesn't happen every year. So you got to yep. have some patience. You can't mm-hmm. just throw all your money in value and think that it's going to every year is going to do better or even do as well as growth. Right. Um, so, but it helps your chances. So great financial fact of the week. All right, and that leads us up here to our first topic, and that is your top ten excuses for making bad investment decisions. You know, guys. I mean, we're in one of these tough markets here. Mar- markets haven't done much over the past year and a half and people are getting impatient mm-hmm. and that leads unfortunately to some stupid decisions and they make excuses though you know i mean we as human beings tend to justify our behavior with excuses and uh unfortunately um they usually aren't very good excuses even though they sound good to us yeah i mean we have an astounding facility for self-deception when it comes to our own money we tend to rationalize our fears, so instead of just recognizing how we feel and reflecting on those thoughts that that, that creates, um, we, we cut out the middleman and we construct kind of this facade of a logical-sounding argument over this vague feeling that we have. Um, you know, these arguments are often elaborate, short-term excuses that we make to justify our behavior, and they run counter to our long-term interest. In other words, we make stupid decisions. <laughs> so, you know, John, we've seen this time and time again when markets get a little scary, right? I mean, you know, we get a call from someone who wants to go to cash because the, maybe the budget battle in Washington's heating up or, you know, this political season we're into is, is getting us down. Um, you know, but about, it happens. How about the debt downgrade? 2011? Sure. Oh, yeah. I mean, the third quarter of 2011, the markets were off 20%. They've recovered nicely since then, so these things do happen. They do happen, and now we have China, you know, with their currency uh, wars that they've they've kind of started here in the past week. Um, That that does make it a little scary, but, you know, I mean, you just have to have have some patience, you know, and and then we also get people who want to take out huge chunks of money that they can't afford to maybe help their kids continue to be irrational or irresponsible or maybe buy a car they really can't afford. You know, I've seen about 
all of the results of these emotions over the past 20 years, you can imagine. So here are the top 10 reasons that we've seen people try to justify um, their emotions in, in these decisions. So number one here on the list is, I just want to wait until things become clearer, you know? <laughs> I want to wait till things are less certain or more certain. That's kind of like saying I want to wait to get married until I find the perfect spouse. Yeah, yeah. or I'm financially able to get exactly. married, right, exactly. or to have kids, you know? That will never happen. I mean, it's understandable to feel unnerved by the volatile markets and, you know, the silly bickering that goes on in Washington these days, but waiting for the volatility to clear up and for the uncertainty to go away, um, that'll result in probably missing out on some of the best returns in the market because um, you'll be out of the market. And the stock market is a leading economic indicator, so that means that it moves up or down before the economy. And so you're not likely to feel better about things until after the market has already moved much higher. And that's going to cause you to miss out on some potentially great returns. You know, you can't time it is the point here. Yeah. You just need to stay diversified and in the market. We also see that when it goes down, typically the return back up is very quick. Exactly. You know, it happens fast. It typically happens fast. So that, that's the piece that people can't time. And um, that's a good one. Number two here is I just can't take the risk anymore. And by focusing exclusively on the risk of losing money and paying a premium for safety, you know, we can end up with insufficient funds for retirement because you've been so so safe and avoiding risk can also mean you're missing the upside right i mean that's the piece the timing piece that we keep talking about you need to be realistic about what return you can expect and what risk level you need to accomplish your long-term goals and most people don't enjoy taking risk but a certain level is necessary to to achieve the goals i mean that's really the the key is having a plan and then fitting your risk level into that plan Right. Exactly. <clears throat> yeah, that's a good one. You know, people are definitely nervous about risk. And, yeah, the next one here on the list is, <clears throat> and the people don't say this, but this is what they mean. They say, I want to live for today. Tomorrow can look after itself. In other words, what they're saying is, you know, I don't know what retirement's going to be like, how what kind of health I'm going to be in. I want this today because... You know, I, I you know I need it. Well, um, that and I want what I want. I want what I want. Yeah, yeah you do hear that occasionally. You hear that quite a bit. You know, so I mean, yeah. Often we people use that to justify some reckless purchase, um, and it's not either or. You know, and and you can live today and mind your savings. Um, is another thing. I mean, so you simply need a budget you, that factors in your long term plans along with having some fun today. So then stick with it. You know, mm-hmm. so have a budget, budget in the fun stuff. That doesn't mean you have to only plan for the future. You can plan in the fun stuff, the vacation, but you you got to have some balance. That's really the point here. Well, and, and there's a recurring word that we keep hearing, plan, mm-hmm. you know, that's so important to this entire process. You guys probably heard number four, I don't care about growth. I just need income. Well, income is fine, but making income your sole focus can lead to, you know, a down and dangerous road uh just ask anyone who's recently invested in the collateralized debt obligations here lately there's a lot of different types of risk so you need to diversify beyond high dividend paying investments including bonds Um, you can create income from capital gains or dividends most people also need to uh, they need some growth to keep up with inflation over time like you were uh, talking about earlier john right right 
Exactly. So you got to have a balanced approach and stay diversified. Anyway, that leads up to our break here. But if you have questions, you can email us at info at moneymd.net or give us a call at 706-739-0725. You're listening to Money MD. We'll be right back after these messages. Stay with us. Welcome back to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. I'm Steve Marbert, a certified financial planner, and I'm here with John Travis, who is a Dave Ramsey local provider, and Gordon Leppard, who is a financial advisor at Richard Young Associates, along with us. And we are continuing our discussion here before the break about the top 10 excuses for making bad investment decisions. Bad, you could you change, could, you could unfortunate. Say, you could say stupid, stupid. too. Yeah. You know, I mean, unfortunately. <laughs> Just don't do these. We see it all. You know yeah. what I mean? And we see all kind of decisions that people make, and they justify them. But, but they're usually justified. The root of that justification is something emotional. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not factual, typically. You know, it's not based on facts, long-term history, rigorous academic research about the markets. It's based on some emotion that's going on today surrounding the circumstances they're seeing in the political environment or in the stock market and the economy, you know, there are all kind of things that can lead us to these emotions that we feel. And, you know, we, we a lot of times we'll see people that just want to wait till things become clearer. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's never going to happen, folks. You know, you, you just it, it's like saying there's, there's no crystal ball. Yeah. Right. It's like saying you're not going to have kids until you feel prepared. Yeah, well, it, there, there is no clearer. There is no. That's nirvana. It doesn't exist. It doesn't exist in in investing. So you just have to. You you have to accept the fact there is risk. Mm -hmm. Okay, and you have to diversify accordingly. Next one is you know people just can't take the risk anymore. They want to be in cash. That feeling comes about, but you have to look at long term history and recognize that it's just emotions and don't don't give way to that. And then the other one we talked about here was, I want to live for the day. You know, I can worry about retirement later. Um, well, you know, you got to do both, okay? You got to enjoy today and you got to plan accordingly, but you need to plan for those long term goals as well. You can't totally put off retirement. You have to you have to plan for college for your kids, retirement and everything, along with planning for your vacations and the things that you need today and, and some wants for today. Um, and the last one we talked about here was, I don't care really about growth. You know, I just need income. And, yeah, we all need income, but you got to keep up with inflation as well. You know, so you need income today, but you're going to need income 20 years from now, too, in retirement. So your investments have to grow some on top of inflation, on top of the That's income. Right. So you can't be satisfied with just, you know, just a little bit of income unless you really only have five years or something to plan for. So, but if you're planning for long term, you need growth, too. So um, and then the next one here on the list, though, number five was I want to get some of these losses back. You know, that's really common. We'll see people, particularly in a down market like we've had this past past week or two and and really you know the past year and a half Mm -hmm. markets have been pretty ugly so you probably have some losses somewhere in your portfolio 
Um, it's human nature to kind of get emotionally attached to those past bets that you made, and maybe you picked a bad stock. Um, and nobody wants to cash out a loss and lock in a loss. They always want to wait till things get better. Well, you know what? If you buy individual stocks, they may not ever get better. They probably won't for a lot of the stocks. You know, they go through bankruptcy um, sometimes. So you don't want to double down on a poor decision from the past. Instead, learn from those mistakes, incorporate it into making better decisions and better diversification and better discipline going forward. Um, so that was that was number five. Next one here is, but this stock fund strategy, it's been good for me. Um, you know, we all have a tendency to kind of want to hang on to our winners. We see this a lot with people that kind of own their own employee stock, mm-hmm. you know. Oh, yeah. They have it in their 401k, and it's been good for them. So they think, well, I'll put more in. I'll just keep buying that. Well, unfortunately, you know, no stock is great forever. And yeah, there are a lot of examples out there that, that's you right. know, Bank of America is still not up to where it was before the financial crisis. Exactly. So just because it's been good for you, unless there's a prudent, good, unless it's a prudently diversified strategy, you know, you don't want to base it on what it's done recently. You want to base it on academic research and long-term history of what that type of investment has done over time. And um, <clears throat> make sure you're diversified. You know, I mean, back in 2000, um, it really February 2000, just before the tech bubble burst, mm-hmm. I sat down with some clients that had all of their money, their entire life savings and retirement in about 10 different technology stocks. Oh, no. You know, the dot-com era, if you remember. And, you know, I told them, I said, you know, guys, I said, you're, you're, at Las, you're in Las Vegas here. You have rolled the dice, and you've hit it big over the last five years. You know, growth stocks and these technology stocks have taken off. I said, but, guys, you have to make a decision. You know, are you going to take your chips off the table and prudently diversify this, or are you going to keep playing this game where eventually you're going to lose. Mm. The house and is going to win there. I think That's, I know what happened. If, well, fortunately, the, these are rare clients that they, they, they came, became clients, and they did cash in those stocks, Fantastic. and they diversified it. And they were in great shape wow. when the tech bubble burst just two months later in April. Wow. You know, tech stocks and the dot-com, you know, bubble burst. And so they avoided disaster, but, so you know. They, they made a smart decision. That's, that's good. Did. It's hard. But it's rare. Yeah. Yeah, it's rare. Well, so. that's, that's good. Number seven here on the list is, um, but the newspaper said, you hear that one a lot, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, they saw or, the newspaper. Or I heard Fox News say. That or, or on the net, internet. The talking internet, head. So it right. must be true. Yeah, that's right. Or the stars are aligning or so <laughs> forth. And, you know, investing by the headlines is like dressing based on yesterday's weather report. I mean, it's. Hindsight is twenty twenty on this stuff. The news may be accurate, but the market has already factored in yesterday's news and moving on to worrying about something else in the future. So don't focus on yesterday's news when it comes to investing. It's only new information that will uh, affect the market uh, or your investments going forward, and that's where you can't time it. You don't know what that new information is going to be. And once it comes out, it's pretty much immediately processed into the prices. Yeah, that's exactly right. That leads into the next one here, which is very similar, and that is, you know, this guy at the bar, you know, or my uncle said, or my boss told me, you know, they have a hot tip, right? They have a suggestion of of what they heard that will do really well. You know, the world's full of experts, aren't they? I mean, many who just recycle stuff that they've heard somewhere. Um, But even if those tips were right, I mean, that kind of advice rarely takes your circumstances into account. 
it's usually past information, just like you just mentioned, John. It's not new information. So it's mm-hmm. already factored into the price. You know, it's based on something that's already known out there. If it's not known, then it's non-public information that is usually illegal to trade on. So it could be insider information, although that's kind of rare. You know, it's it's probably not. It's probably yeah, just old information. Most people aren't going to have the inside information, and those that do, you know, they sometimes they get a vacation. So. Exactly. Yeah, that's yeah right. Martha Stewart. Paid exactly. So, you know, I mean, tips are useless. Forget about that. They're rarely worth anything. So focus, again, on long-term diversification. I think number nine kind of ties to the, the clarity um, part that you guys mentioned earlier, and it's I just want certainty. Hmm. Well, wanting confidence in your investments is fine. And, that you know, that's one sure. thing. But certainty, you can spend a lot of money trying to insure yourself uh, against every possible outcome, but that's just not realistic. You know, just look at the yields of CDs today. While you cannot guard against every single risk or possible outcome out there, it's cheaper to simply diversify your investments and assume a reasonable amount of risk. You know, we're not talking about doing something outlandish or. Uh, you know, just yeah. off the charts, but a reasonable amount of investment. I think that that's the key is risk. reasonable that ties into your plan. Correct. Exactly. Right? So they match. So that's Yeah, good. your long term plan has to be taken into account and you gotta make a prudent investment decision. And as time on goes on you, you probably will make some adjustments to that. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, that's a good one. All right. And then the last one here on the list is I'm too busy to think about this. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Aren't we all? Just ignore I mean, it, right? You know, we often, you know, just like estate planning we just talked about, not having a will, you know, you're just too busy. You're just going to put it off, right? And just let it to fall. Well, as I've told my wife many times, you know, of the years, no decision is a decision. Mm-hmm. So if we leave it to default, we've made a decision. It's going to be the default decision. That's right. You know, it's wherever it is now or it's whatever happens by naturally, you know. So, I mean, we often try to control things that we can't change, like the market, the media noise. We neglect areas where our actions can make a difference, like the cost of investment, you know, or or the diversification of an investment. You know, so that's worth our effort. So stop putting off making important financial decisions. Make it a priority to plan for your future and set up a prudent diversification in your portfolio and, and do some rebalancing. Um, well, you know, the <clears throat> so the points here is, I mean, most people need some accountability. They need help to avoid these emotional decisions. They need a disciplined strategy to, to be diversified. Um, so if you can't do it on your own, maybe you need to get some help. You know, we can certainly help with that. I mean, we're in that business. But, you know, find somebody you can trust that can help you by, provide some accountability to your situation so that you don't fall into these emotional traps of making excuses for your making stupid decisions. Well, that, you know, sometimes uh, another set of eyes or uh, someone that you can talk to there gives you a little bit broader perspective. Yeah, absolutely. You know, to look at a little more holistically. Exactly. So, all right. But if we can help with that, give us a call. Um, And that brings us up to our break here. But if you have questions... You can give us a call at Richard Young Associates during regular business hours at 706-739-0725, or you can give us an email at uh, info at moneymd.net. You're listening to MoneyMD. We'll be right back with these messages and details. Welcome back 
back to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. I'm Steve Marbert, a certified financial planner, and I'm here with John Travis, who is a Dave Ramsey local provider, and Gordon Leppard, who is an advisor at Richard Young Associates, along with us. And we are going to lead off our uh, next segment here with the uh, question question of the week. Yeah, I had a a meeting with a a client um, this last week, and they had a 401k, and they had some after-tax money. That was in the the balance, and um, so their question was: Is you know, am I going to be taxed when I pull that out? How is that treated? And it's a great question. So the after tax is really split into two pieces. Her balance was about twenty one thousand, and so we had to call the administrator to find out what were the contributions out of that twenty one thousand. And the contributions were about nine thousand. So that is the portion that would not be taxable. So she got a nine thousand dollar check that she was going to, I don't know, use it for whatever. She put it in her checking account. The other portion of that, the other $12,000 were gains, and that will be taxed um, like like ordinary income. So that's going to go into an IRA account. And so the after-tax is split into two pieces. And an even better idea with the after-tax yeah. money is to roll it over into Roth. We talked about <clears throat> Roth. That's, that's an option as well. Yeah, and to realize she we probably couldn't, have, couldn't do that because she needed the money. But if you can't, if you don't, roll that directly into Roth. They yeah. let you do both the roll both of them at the same time now, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's which right. is an amazing you know, thing to be able to do now. It's a nice gift from the last. 20 years you weren't able to do that yeah and so, you use it uh, while you can that's brand yeah, new yeah. so you want to you want to roll that after-tax money into a roth while you roll the pre-tax money into an ira yeah that's one thing when we sit down with folks looking at their um uh, 401k some people have a lot of after-tax money so this is a neat neat opportunity so it is great opportunity and now you can put more in the, the, mm-hmm. the after-tax and yep and really build that up for that purpose so, all right, great question of the week. And that leads us up here to our next topic, and that is your five debt snowball questions answered. Yeah, this is out of DaveRamsey.com. Mm-hmm. This is a great topic, you know, about how to how to kill that debt snowball, how to get the debt snowball going when sure. you're paying off your debt. Yeah, one of the things we do when we sit down with folks is, um, you know, the planning that we've talked about. And part of that is for retirement <laughs> and income. But sometimes it's how do, you, how do you get out of debt? What's a plan to get out of debt? And, you know, Dave Ramsey's seven baby steps, they've helped millions of families over the last couple of decades from saving you know, that first $1,000 uh, in the bank to getting out of debt to investing for the future. So, you know, these baby steps that Dave has developed, um, they're the, a really good plan for getting on track financially. And they're very simple to understand. And that's one reason why he's been so successful. So with that, Dave has um, a lot of questions that come through um, his radio show. And the most frequent questions we get are about the debt snowball. So, uh, Dave's uh, and the debt snowball is Dave's famous plan on how to pay off these debts. And basically, you list your debts uh, in order from smallest to largest, and you pay off the smallest one first, and then you move down the list from there. So, with that, we're going to kind of dive into the uh, five most frequent questions about the debt sm- snowball method that Dave gets. Yeah, and the first one here is why pay the smallest debt first instead of the one with the highest interest rate? Yeah, I mean, you always hear that in financial mm-hmm. books, you know, pay the one with the highest interest rate because that's the one that's costing you the most money, you know, percentage-wise. But, you know, the point here of the debt snowball is changing your behavior, you know. As Dave Ramsey says a lot of times, if it were all about math, you wouldn't be in this situation. That's right. so, Pretty good point you know, there. Yeah, which I got, think is a great – Kind of hard to argue with that. It is very hard to argue with that. So, yeah, I mean, if you pay off a student loan first because it's the largest debt – 
then you won't you won't see it leave this debt snowball for a while. Um, you know, you'll see the numbers going down on spreadsheet maybe, but that's that's it. You know, so pretty soon you're going to probably lose steam, stop paying extra, and then you'll have all your debts hanging around. So you need to change and switch that around a little bit. Yeah. So if you ditch the small debt first, you'll see progress and you'll get more motivated. And that one debt is out of your life forever. And soon the second debt will follow, and then the next and you know, these little wins will give you a confidence boost, and it'll help you stick to the plan as you're going through it. So if you get some early wins and celebrate, you can get more momentum as you go through the process. You, you just can't replace that small right. debt, you know, that you just eliminated. Yeah. You can't replace it with another small debt, yeah. and that's a that's a challenge, too, that we see. Yeah, it's a very good point. You definitely got to stick to the plan and stay out of debt. So that's the first one. Pay off the smallest debt first. Second one is, is how do I know when to sell something or to pay it off. And, and a general rule of thumb, according to Dave, is it will t- if it takes you more than 18 to 24 months to be debt-free on an item, then he says sell it. You know, if, uh, if you've got a $500 car payment scheduled for another three years, Dave recommends ditching the car and freeing up that monthly income. Um, so plus, you know, not owing a huge car balance, um, you'll be able to take that additional money and, and put it towards your plan. That goes for boats and rental properties and, you know, anything else in your home. So if it takes more than 18 to 24 months, Dave says, sell it. I was going to say, you, you hear him say that all the time. When oh, people yeah. get on the radio show and they ask him a question, one of the first things you, you almost listen for is to sell it. Yeah. So, you know, breaking free from those payments will drastically change your mindset and your wallet as you move, you know, toward being debt-free. Uh, but if you own uh, an item that will be paid off in a few months, it's all right to kind of hang on to it. You know, just make sure that you stay focused and you stick to the plan. Get it paid off. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Number three on the list is should I keep saving for retirement while I'm on baby step two? So baby step two is the debt snowball. Dave um, encourages people to stop saving for retirement. Now, this is controversial out there, and we'll, we'll kind of talk through this one. But Dave recommends that you, you commit all your energy and resources to getting out of debt while on baby step two. That means diverting money that you had going towards retirement means that you'll stay in debt longer. So concentrate on one thing at a time. And, Steve, I know the, the company Match, uh, people ask us all the time, it's hard for people to walk yeah. away from the company Match. It really is. Yeah, and, you know, I disagree with this a little bit. Um, well, I mean, I understand, you know, if, if you can get your debts paid off sure. in 24 months, you know, missing the company match and retirement savings for a couple of years is not going to hurt you that bad. Right. Um, the, the problem that, that the, I guess the, the risk, the risk is that you get, you get caught in that cycle for a lot longer than that, you mm-hmm. know, and it takes you 10 years or and you never get back into you know, retirement. And game. you put off saving retirement for 10 years. And I think that's a big risk. So you got to be careful here. I mean, I'd, I'd like to see you continue to get the match at yeah. least. Just put enough in to get the match so you don't give up that money and you have a little bit of momentum going sure. both directions yeah. and do both at the same time. But I, I certainly understand the principle here, and I agree with the principle yeah. You know, of focusing on the debt. you, you got to make that happen, get the debt paid off. And if you can do it in two years, then great. Yeah. But, you know, if it's taking longer, you better get back on getting your match. Yeah, you have to be disciplined in this process. I mean, it really any process that you're on, whether it's, you know, losing weight or, you know, whatever you're doing. And, um, you know, giving up the company match is tough for people, but Dave's talking about just focusing on one area, hit it as hard as you can, sell stuff, uh, so much stuff that the kids are thinking they're next, right? That's one of his famous lines. Yeah, so, right. um, you know, that's a tough one, but, you know, retirement, um, 
is obviously critically important, but but Dave's focus is on on this this segment is just debt, trying to get out of debt so it can free you up to do you know different stuff. And if you follow his plan, you're out of debt in a couple of years, yeah. and you know so I mean that works, no doubt about it. Um, okay, the next one here was what if a baby is on the way. Oh, that's a great question. You know, first off, congratulations. You know, if you have a baby on the way, that's that's fantastic. That's always reason for celebration um, and a blessing from God. You know, if you're if you're expecting, you need to stop the debt snowball because you know there is risk that you could have some some serious expenses there. So pile up cash. What Dave says, I mean, keep making the minimum payments. Yes, but sock away all the remaining money. You know, for nine months, um, you know, if an emergency happens, you have medical bills, you'll need to have that money there and you'll have the money to pay for them. Yeah, and once the, the new bundle of joy is home from the hospital and everybody's doing good and you kind of get in a routine, you can take that saved money and you can apply it to the debt snowball. So it just kind of gives you a little bit of a buffer uh, in that process. And number five here is the other question. It's kind of related to that a little bit is what if I get laid off from my job while paying off debt? and and obviously, if you lose your job, you've got to go into survival mode. I mean, make your lifestyle, um, you know, you got to cut it and slash it to the basics. So keep making your minimum payments on your on your debts without putting anything extra towards the debt. You know, stop the debt snowball until you find work again. And, um, you know, maybe get a side job or freelance work until you land that full-time position. But, yeah, go into survival mode and just be very, very conservative in the process. Yeah, I mean, if you do get laid off and you so happen to get a severance pay with that, uh, don't kick back and live off of that like you've just won the lottery because before you know it, it'll disappear. Mm-hmm. You know, it'll slip right through your fingers, kind of like water in your hand. Uh, but live, you know, conservatively and, and continue to hunt for a job. The sooner you get that new job, the sooner that the severance pay will actually look like a huge bonus uh, that you could apply to your snet no, uh, snowball or, you know, just long-term savings there. Yeah, that's right. So that's that's the debt snowball explained. Um, you know, Dave has a, a seven baby step process that goes through, you know, emergency funds, debts, uh, college, investing, and so forth. If you have more questions on that, you can go to his website, obviously, DaveRamsey.com. You can always give us a call. We'll be more than happy to, uh, to help you as well. Absolutely. All right. Great topic. And that does lead us up to our break here. But if you have questions uh, like about the debt snowball or anything else, you can uh, email us at info at moneymd.net or you can give us a call during regular business hours. Richard Young Associates at 706-739-0725. You're listening to MoneyMD. We'll be right back after these messages. Welcome back to Money MD, where the many doctors are in the house. I'm Steve Marbert, a certified financial planner, and I'm here with John Travis, who is a Dave Ramsey local provider, and Gordon Leppard, who is a financial advisor at Richard Young Associates, along with us. And we are um, starting a new topic here, uh, but we're going to start off here with the prescription of the week. Yeah, this is a estate planning, and, and guys, it's an amazing stat. About 70% of Americans don't have a will. I had a, um, a pretty good friend that uh, had was an estate planner, and I asked him, knowing what the answer was, do you have a will? Of course he did, right? He didn't. 
an estate yeah. planner. Now, he was a younger guy, so um, but it's so important to have one. Yeah, it's shocking that, you know, 70%, almost uh, two, uh, three-fourths of Americans don't have a will. You know, just the simplest estate planning tool, and it's so vital because if you if you don't have a will, even if you don't have any assets, you don't have a guardianship set up for your kids. You know, you certainly don't have a power of attorney if you don't have a will. So if something happens to, to one of you, between you and your spouse, um, you become incapacitated. No one can take care of your financial affairs or have access to your money um, to help out and pay bills. So you, you gotta you gotta stop putting that off. You know, it is so easy to put off getting a will or or making some important decision. Um, you, you have to go get that one done. You can do it online. There's lots of ways to do it, but we recommend going and see an attorney. Um, you know, somebody that really knows the laws of the state and can can get that done correctly for you and at least get a simple will in place, if not some more detailed estate planning. Mm-hmm. Yep. You just got to stop putting that off. It's way, way too important. I had to drive a so, client to a an attorney one time to get it done. So yeah, whatever you have to do. you're listening out there, we may come by your house and knock on your door. <laughs> that's so. right. If you're a client, you don't have a will, we're going to be we're going to be coming helping you with that. <laughs> So a uh, great prescription of the week. Okay, that leads up to our last topic here, and that is, should you sell your home this year? I mean, the stock market is, I mean, the, the housing market has really picked up this year. Um, it, it, it has. It's, it's kind of been on a roll. So, uh, you know, that, that's definitely a, a viable question for, for many people. And, you know, as, as real estate industry experts looked forward to 2015 most believed uh we'd see a return to a normal housing market you know condition type thing and their forecast called for a slow steady rise in home prices and a gentle uptick in potential buyers well so far 2015 has blown those expectations out of the water the most recent pending home sales index shows home sales at their highest level in almost nine years. Yeah, it's amazing that, how it's that, picked back up. That is a lot. It says uh, the medium home price now clocks in at nearly 230000 It's almost 8% higher than last year. Wow, that's a big jump. Yeah, and, you would hope that would bleed over to the stock market, but it hasn't yeah. yet. <laughs> yeah, with with uh, pricing, uh, prices rising and home selling at an annual rate of a little bit over $5 million, uh, per year, the question is: Is should you throw your your hat or your home, for that matter, into the ring, or risk missing out on this hot housing market? So it's a good question. Yeah, it is. I mean, here's the thing about these national trends, though. Even though we're in a pretty hot uh, housing market, that's a national trend. You know, that may or may not affect your personal situation in your town, that's your right. home, your family. So you know, if you're wrestling with that decision of whether or not to to sell your home. You got to pay less attention to those industry reports and the national averages, and focus more on, you know, these simple questions about your situation and your your house. Yeah, I was talking to a lady this last week, and uh, she's looking at selling her home. She lives in Aiken and struggling to sell it. And so, in the the conversations I have with some some friends that are in the construction industry, is Aiken is not as strong as columbia county and right. lexington and right. some other places so it is really dependent on your market very dependent yeah, yeah. i know a lady over in aiken as well she's had her uh, house on the market for two and a half years mm. wow you know and yeah. it's, it's becoming a drain mm-hmm. uh, so it's definitely a, a buyer's market right now well here, here's a question to consider like you were talking about uh, steve do you have enough equity in your home uh this is the make it or break it question for many homeowners to make selling your home worthwhile, you need to have enough equity uh, to at least cover the down payment on your next home. 
Yeah. You know? And, and, and to calculate money. equity, it's pretty, pretty easy. You take your mortgage balance, subtract your mortgage balance from the current market value. So as an example, let's say your home is worth 225000 and you owe 180000 on it. That means you have $45,000 in home equity. So that means, well, is forty five enough? And it really depends on what you're going to buy. Uh, you know, Dave Ramsey recommends 10% down, but 20% is even better because you can um, – Avoid the the PMI or private mortgage insurance. It's just an additional cost if you if you're less than twenty percent. Absolutely, and and here's where national trends could have an impact on your situation. You know, if if you consider selling your home even a few months ago, uh, but didn't have enough equity, this year's strong housing market may have bumped up your home's uh, current market value. Um, and to find that out, you know, you can you can ask a local real estate agent for a, a CMA or a free comparative market analysis. Yeah, I think the 20% down number really is important. Oh, I do, you too. Know, That's huge. That, that removes a lot of the risk in real estate. If you have 20% down, a yeah. lot less chance you're going to be underwater. And so 15-year as well. 15-year mortgage, no PMI insurance. You'll save a ton of money over mm-hmm. the life of that mortgage. So that's really important yeah and it's also though important to work with accurate numbers when you're deciding whether or not to sell your house so don't try to determine your own value yourself i know it's tempting to look at your houses around there and say oh it's worth this amount but you know you you have an emotional tie to your house you got to take that out of the equation you really need to call for a pro who knows firsthand what the buyers are paying for summer homes in your area so you want to get an evaluation done that's a good point steve next question can you afford the prep work Well, and to add on to that, do you even know what the prep work is or might entail? You know, many times we we may look at a property and you see it just kind of on the face value and you don't really realize what all might be involved. Uh, While there are currently more buyers on the market than homes available to buy, those buyers aren't pushovers. They want to know they're getting a good value for their money. So they're, you know, they're looking for a deal. Uh, and that, that may mean you'll have to do some work uh, to spruce things up a little bit, to make it look and, and function the way that it needs to in order to get a good price for it. Yeah, and so some of the money to spend may be on a um, get it, get it your house certif- certified, uh, get a home inspection. It's going to cost a couple hundred dollars. Um, they'll assess your home's condition, and uh, it's well worth the investment since it can keep you from losing uh, big bucks at the uh, negotiation table or even worse, uh, a home deal. So Losing the whole deal altogether. Yeah, yeah you, you may... Um, you know that's probably a good use of your 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 dollars. Yeah, and so when you get the inspection, though, if it comes up with this long list of repairs, which typically they will, you know, you don't really have to do every single one of those. Okay, that's the the whole comprehensive list. That's and right. Some of those aren't necessary to sell your house. So what you really need to do is ask your real estate agent because they can help you look at that list, prioritize it. They can tell you which ones are going to have the biggest impact, that have the curb appeal impact. You know, big ticket issues like a saggy roof or a limping HVAC system, those really can scare buyers, you know, into asking, you know, for a lot more money than it actually takes to fix those items. So you need to patch those items up, you know, um, <clears throat> make sure you, you budget that um, enough money to resolve those problems like that before you plan to, to put the yard sign, the, the sale sign in your yard. That's right. Right. 
Well, n- now it's time to make your home a place buyers can't resist. And I think that's what you were talking about there, Steve, is, you know, really putting some TLC into it. You know, with a little elbow grease and a, a lot of moving boxes, you can do your own cleaning and decluttering for free. Uh, with a few extra dollars, you can make your home really shine. And with fresh paint, landscaping, updated fixtures, or, you know, all of the above, you can really position yourself a lot better mm-hmm. for when, you know, those potential buyers do start coming and start looking at things. Because uh, it's, it's like Abraham Lincoln talked about. He said, you know, if, it, if you wait to prepare when the opportunity presents itself, then it's too late. Mm-hmm. You know, so taking those steps, working with a professional, uh, you know, many times you're seeing um, people actually work with a staging professional. Mm-hmm. And, and some of these real estate companies mm-hmm. are actually employing uh what they call staging specialists, and or they'll come they in, like bring in props or something. Yeah, literally, <laughs> they they do. Well, just Fake furniture, shrubs, you know, furniture. They set the room up a certain way. Baked bread. To, <laughs> they have the that smell. smell. I know. I've heard that. You know, baked cookies. But yeah. but that shows how important that you know putting together the right environment is yeah. uh, for for the presentation. So, you know. So you want to manipulate your buyers. I understand. Well, no, no, not manipulate. No. You're, you're wanting to comfort possible. them, you know, and, and show right. them what it is or could be. We, um, Tammy and I sold uh, a number of houses when we moved around uh, before we came to Aiken, and it was we always did that, you know, fresh paint. Uh, we would take oh, yeah. clothes out of our closet and hide them so it looked like it was a bigger closet. So Yeah, clean know. up, take some of the junk out the of there. Clutter, Less makes furniture it makes it look bigger. Yeah. You know, we may send our kids yeah. away for, for a while whenever we yeah. uh, decide to pets, sell pets our are home. another concern. I mean, yeah. some people don't like yeah. having pets in the house. So, so but, yeah, I mean, fixing up things I think is really important, too. And, you know, bathrooms and kitchens. I mean, there's a lot of things you can do to, to, to without a lot of money to, yeah. to quickly right. fix those up a little bit. Just good focus. And, you know, selling your home is a big deal. Yes, so working, working with a good professional. In fact, Dave has uh, ELPs for real estate. He does. He certainly does. A couple in the area. That's right. Yeah, it's important. All right. Great topic, folks. And that leads us up here to our uh, close for this week's edition of Money MD. But tune in next Saturday from 9 to 10 a.m. to hear more prescriptions for your financial health. Do check us out on our website, moneymd.net. Um, check us out on Facebook and LinkedIn, and, you know, we're all over the place out there. Yes, we are. We so, Twitter. Exactly. So check us out. Email us your questions. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us at info at moneymd.net or give us a call, 706-739-0725. Thanks for listening. Have a great weekend. Have a good Ladies and gentlemen. Material in this program is intended for general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. None of the information contained in this broadcast is intended by the host to be a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. Endorsed local provider is an endorsement of customer service only and does not reflect quality of investment decisions and is not connected to investment returns. Further information is available by contacting Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor. Securities sold through Independent Financial Group, LLC, member of FINRA and SIP. See you.